Here we go. This is Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint, left, GU, corner, halfback, flat, on two. Ready, right. Now here's your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42! Blue 42! Good morning, Brock. How are you now? Good morning, Polly. I'm doing great. In beautiful Des Moines, Iowa this morning. Just watched an overtime thriller, overtime thriller basketball game with my Macy. So all all good in the hood, man. All good in the hood. That's awesome. How'd you do? They did good. Yeah, they did good. This is fun, man. It's fun when you get to see these these young athletes compete. I was just telling more of this off the air. So Macy's going to be a junior. And for so many of them, you know, last summer was really taken away on the AAU circuit. So to get a chance to play teams from Miami and Southern California this morning, uh, there's a great program in Iowa called Iowa Attack that wins a lot of national titles at the AAU level, amazing basketball players. So, yeah, super fun, super fun to see where you are and to compete. And, um, yeah, they've done pretty good. I think they're like three and two, one more to wrap it up this afternoon. And but pretty neat to see all the coaches back on the road and the, and the gals just playing so thinking hard. Feisty, feisty, feisty. It's, it's a really cool feeling if you're a high school athlete and you get to go up against somebody from another state. We, we got to do that at the Wide World of Sports against a team from Pennsylvania. Yep. It's just weird, yep. but it's so different, and it makes you feel like you are <laughs> – in some sort of a Super Bowl kind of atmosphere, it's 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 really cool. So that's great, and I'm sure you're going to check out the Field of Dreams field later or something like that. Interesting that I am. You're, you're in Iowa I because am. we're, we're... yes. I mean, we got about a three hour drive, mm. uh, so the big tournaments usually are Iowa, Chicago, down in Atlanta. That's kind of the Nike circuit anyway. So yeah, Ty and I are going to go from here and uh, see the Field of Dreams out there, and then on our way to Chicago, which is also one of our favorites, in Ridley Field. I'll get a chance to see that tomorrow. That. So all sorts of fun stuff happening, wow. brother. Well-rounded sports trip. I, I'm, I'm envious. And by the way, speaking of Field of Dreams, we're going to talk about sports movies in just a little bit. Chris Ballard was on the Athletic Football Podcast with Robert Mays and talked about a lot of different things. He had some really interesting comments that got me thinking about Jamal Adams. Here's what Ballard, the general manager of the Colts, had to say. Like we we've, we've got good players out of free agency and we've been successful. We're just not big fans of right out the gate free agency, where you're paying B players A plus money, which is going to affect down the line. He continued over that answer, and it was a very long answer, talking about the DeForest Buckner trade and essentially what they gave up to get DeForest Buckner and all the things that you have to check the boxes off of because you don't want, as he said right there, to give a an A-plus kind of contract to a player who is a B, B-plus type of player. Is Jamal Adams worth A-plus money? Yes. Yes, he's worth A plus safety money, mm. and and I I firmly believe when they when they made that move, Pete and John and Matt Thomas, the, the capologist, everybody in that building, when you make that kind of move, and DeForest Buckner's a pretty good comp, right? Indianapolis had to give up a ton and and first rounders and everything else, and, and pay a premium position, and D linemen make more than safeties do, so. I think when those three made that decision, and, and many more underneath the Seahawks roof, I think there was a belief and understanding that we are getting an A-plus player 
and you know paying him safety money, which they've done in the past with Cam and with Earl. They play, they paid a plus money for safeties that you know what you can still survive it. You can move your cap around. You're going to have enough uh, in the kitty. It's not paying a plus quarterback. It's not paying a plus left tackle. It's not paying a plus pass rusher or even corner. That on that pecking order of, of, of finances and contracts, safeties aren't aren't at that level now. Jamal thinks he is, and Jamal wants that, and Jamal wants to bust that market. And I don't think he's going to when it's all said and done. So I think that's that's where the Seahawks had a lot of peace in making that move. He is an A plus player; they're willing to give him A plus safety money. But you're not breaking the bank and giving him A plus defensive player money, which I, I think is still the driving force in the negotiation. And I can imagine, too, everyone's going to look at, as you said, just to open up that answer, what the average safety gets paid, the biggest contract for safeties in the NFL right now, and they're going to try and keep them in that box. Do you think that's... Yeah, about what, 15 and a half, I believe? Right. You know, 15, 15 and a half, however you kind of want to slice that average per year. That's what Justin Simmons and Denver and Buda Baker and, and those guys have, you know, up the ante from Earl Thomas, who, you know, set the market at one point at 13, 14, and that's just that that's the going rate. That's how the whole puzzle's put together. You know, I, I, I know my, my buddy Mike Salk is furious about it. He thinks it's unfair, he thinks it's collusion, everything else, but you know, there is some structure to the way these teams put their caps together and the positions with which you play and you know it. And Jimmy Graham felt that pinch when he was a tight end and thought he was a wide receiver. No, you are a tight end. And Jamal on the back of your football card from high school to L S U to the Jets to the Seahawks, you're a safety. And now you're a diverse safety. You're better around the line of scrimmage than you are downfield, but you are still a safety. And you're gonna, when push, you know, comes to shove, at the end of the day, you're gonna get paid safety money and more than likely reset the safety market. If it was Ed Reed at 27, I could understand how maybe more people would agree with Mike Salk's argument there. But it's it's not that's not who we're talking about in this specific situation. This isn't well. Were Ed Reed and right. Troy Polamalu were they paid safety money? No, they, they weren't. But let, let, let's let's just look at it from that perspective, though, Brock. Like, say yeah. that we were say that it's today, and this guy Ed Reed is looking for more than safety kind of money. It's different than I think with Jamal Adams. I think Ed Reed. I think we would all agree is probably the best safety of all time, if if not one of like the top three. If yep. Ed Reed is in this situation right now and he is asking for a set amount of money, isn't that the guy that you make an exception for? Or are you going to continue to go back to the way that this thing is structured where you just want to pay slightly more than whatever the top safety in the NFL is getting paid? I, I just think that is the structure that it all fits for 32 teams. That, that That's the way they go about it, much like there's a structure and a slotting in the NFL draft. That when you're a first-rounder, you make this. And when you're the 22nd pick, you make this. And when you're the 35th pick, you make this. There is... You know, there is some structure to, to that process. If a team, you know, wants to, to go lone wolf and, and bust that, God bless them. It's not going to be the Seattle Seahawks. And that last part that you said right there, yeah. What NFL team is going to spite themselves just to reward one player when they have this structure in place? So that's the way it is, and that should help the Seahawks out a little bit as far as their cap space. Question number two. So Jake, Stacy, and Joe Fan. Had an interesting conversation yesterday on the Jake and Stacy show about which player that they would steal from an NFC West team. Here's how that conversation went. And it's Aaron Donald for obvious reasons. He is, if not the best, one of the best players in the league. Uh, it also helps you with your defensive line, which you can never have enough talent there. And in particular, I think Seattle could be better there. 
Aaron Donald, one. Jalen Ramsey, two. Nick Bosa, three. <laughs> that is Fair. literally the exact list that I was about to say. Me too. So those guys are off the board. Let's let's do a little NFC West, not in the Seattle Seahawks draft. So no Aaron Donald, no Jalen Ramsey, no Nick Bosa. I'm fourth. I'm taking George Kittle. Brock Heward, you have the fifth dude, pick. Dude, no, you let your guest go fourth. No, nope. I picked George. Kittle. I'm going fourth. Okay. I, I I gotta put I gotta put <laughs> no. you on the spot. Listen, Brock. Sometimes nope. guys trade up in front of somebody <laughs> and totally ruin the draft. Like, going back to the draft where Tyler Lockett, the Texans thought they were going to get him, and the Seahawks swooped in front, and then I got stuck watching Jalen Strong. So I'm, I'm throwing you on the spot here after George Kittle, because I know you were going to take George Kittle. You're in Iowa right now. Who are you taking? Yeah. <laughs> probably Chandler Jones then. Yeah, I, I think you probably continue to reinforce that defensive line as with one of the most dominant guys, a guy that's taken over games as you've tried to play against him. You know, you had the benefit of Seahawks did of not seeing him injured last year, but I would think he would be probably the next horse in that race as far as his production in the past and, and what he does to a team and what he forces these main offensive lines and schemes to do and, and can play a little bit of the run, but is obviously a dominant, dominant pass rusher. So I would, I would probably lean there. I don't think there's another corner in Arizona or San Francisco or LA. So yeah, I would probably I'd, I'd probably lean there, but Kittle would, would be the uh, would be the certificate of participation in that conversation. I think he would definitely be fourth and that's a wise pick on your fantasy football team there, Paul. I appreciate that. I would love to see by the way George Kittle here just I love all that he does, not just catching the football and running like a psycho. I, I feel like he likes contact, but he also likes to yep. block people and I I feel like that is a forgotten thing in football amongst skill players these days. Guys who seem to want to hurt people even though they have the ball in their hands or they're just blocking and they're away from a play. Yeah, it's just the whole essence of everything he brings to your team. You know, he just loves ball. And going back to kind of question number one there with Jamal and, you know, Salk and I were chatting about this on our podcast this week and, and you know, just talking about, and, and I know we hit on it earlier on Monday with you and Danny, you know, when you've got someone that loves ball, George Kittle loves ball. Many of those guys on the list, Aaron Donald absolutely loves ball. Jalen Ramsey loves ball. When the Seahawks, you know, have been and are humming at their very best, you've got guys that, yeah, they want to get paid, they want their contracts, they want their all-pro status, but they just, they flat out love to play, Paul. When you were the preceding you in, in the years here, I remember a training camp where, or maybe it was even a mini camp, I think it was a training camp, where Doug and Richard get into it. I mean, full-on, like, punches thrown, scrapes at the face. Like, they are just competing. They're brothers. They love each other. They're Stanford guys. But they love to compete, man. They love to ball and play. And, and I think, you know, that's where on that list, those guys are all uber-talented, but they love to play. And that's where Jamal Adams, I think, fits in as well. He, he brought some of that to the team, you know, and, and it's an argument if you're on his side that you're going to make, like, you need my voice. You need my presence. You need my just love ball and how it just impacts everybody around me. Uh, I'd be curious if you had this conversation in those other markets. Obviously, you know, Russell Wilson would probably be the, the number one pick, maybe even above Aaron Donald. But if we were in L.A. and San Francisco and Arizona – and you're having this conversation, who would be the second Seahawk taken? Mm. DK Metcalf, it has would to be, be Bobby right? Bobby Wagner still? Mm. I don't know if it'd be Bobby Wagner anymore. 
Metcalf, I, I I think it would be Metcalf just because of his youth, and you assume that you're going to have him for all of this time going forward. And at, at this point in yeah. time, he looks like he is on the verge of definitively establishing himself as a top 10 wide receiver, if not vaulting up into that top five, kind of top three conversation. Yeah. Question number three. Rock, I saw some stills from an upcoming movie. There's a Kurt Warner biopic coming out. <laughs> I it, saw that last night. It's, I actually watched it. Did you watch the trailer? I did. Oh, uh, yeah. I love Dennis Quaid. I, I like Zachary Levi. He was on this television show that I used to watch called Chuck, but it, it didn't it didn't look very whelming, <laughs> right? It, no. They, I, I feel like they might have been able to – I mean, they should talk to you or someone else, like an actual ex-quarterback is a stunt double so that the football looks real. Like, football movies have to have some semblance of realism in it, and my God, that, that trailer did not look good. No, it's – <laughs> the trailer looked a little hallmark. I'm hoping the football is a small slice of it. If the football is the is the dominant cinematography, uh, we've got issues because it was it was not both the body types of, of the people running around, no. the throwing mechanics, the ball in the air, just the whole yeah, the whole uh, setup was just not. <laughs> it, it, it was not hard knocks. It was not uh, any given Sunday. It was not the program, which I think still is way up there as far as football goes. Yeah. So let's hope it's a little more off the field. Let's hope they use yeah. that hook for <laughs> yeah. sports fans to try to bring them in because the story and then hopefully the cinematography much more compelling <laughs> off the field. Yeah, Brock, I, I, I'm not sure if it's going to match my flag league on Sunday. So I'm not, I'm not sure we're <laughs> even going to get to that category. So. I, I wanted to ask you this. What is your number one football movie? And you mentioned the program just a bit ago. I love the program myself. My number one football movie is Friday Night Lights. I think that the actual mm. football in the movie itself is awesome. I think you have a couple of moments, like the speech that you get, Can You Be Perfect, from Billy Bob Thornton, who I thought did a really good job as the coach in that role. It, it just felt, I think of all the football movies that I've seen, perhaps the most realistic looking, which I know is not an easy yeah. thing to do. But what's your number one football yep. movie? Yeah, this sounds super corny, but I'm the son of a high school coach. I watched what high school football meant in Puyallup around that program. I've seen other programs, you know, from Jake Heap's Skyline to mm. what Butch Gontrop did at Bellevue and, and all over the state and the impact it has in those communities and how much people love them. So I'm going to be hard-pressed to look past Remember the Titans. You know, I just, yeah. I, I, I love, I love that movie. There was enough good football. Sunshine could throw it well enough. But, Sunshine. You know, there was, there, yeah, there was enough happening on the field, but the off the field, the locker room, the, the, you know, obviously the social justice dynamics in place, bringing teams together. Golly, that, that's one that soundtrack wise still play. Uh, when it's on, it's hard for me to flip off. The little girl in it, you know, I'm a girl dad, girl sports dad, and that little girl in it who's all now grown up and everything else. I just remember the Titans, the one that probably hooks me the most. You know, it's interesting that you mention uh, the, the the little girl played by Hayden Pentieri in that movie, Cheryl Yost. So when I was on a high school football team, when I was very young and very small, this made me so mad to the point I don't like the movie anymore. But some of my teammates started calling me that girl's name. Drove me oh, crazy. No. Oh yeah, drove me crazy because I was because my freshman year, 
four foot eleven, and I had like not exactly the uh, <laughs> deepest voice, and I was this little yapper who had all sorts of hot takes on things. So it actually was an apt comparison. <laughs> But it affected my enjoyment of the movie just oh, a little no. bit. Oh, no. What was her name in the movie? Uh, I think Cheryl. <laughs> which is, Cheryl? Which Cheryl is also not a... I, they, they basically, I think, just pointed out, hey, that's Paul. So luckily they didn't call me Cheryl because that's something that would have definitely stuck. <laughs> <laughs> but now it might stick going forward here on this very radio show. <laughs> oh, good stuff, buddy. Good stuff. Well, I'll shoot you a picture from uh, the cornfield today. I'll let you know whether or not... Awesome. The audience should ever make a trip out to the Field of Dreams. That sounds great, and I'm going to send you something that's actually worse-looking football than what we saw in that trailer for (laughs) that biopic. I I hope it's a good movie. I I, I really do like those two actors, but yikes. The football does not look like it's going to be a great part of that. Brock, I always appreciate you joining me, and have a wonderful time in Iowa. You got it, Paul. We'll chat Monday, buddy. See ya. Sounds great.